Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to part two of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Uh, incredibly busy week in the world of Welsh rugby this week, and part two is dedicated to all those comings and goings, as always. This week, we start with a review of that incredible Scarlet's performance out in Dublin, where they overcome the odds to beat Munster. Now, uh, as you know from listening to part one, uh, no Dan Killett this week, uh, but he was very, very keen indeed to speak to me about this. So I caught up with him late on a Tuesday night uh, to have a chat through uh, have a chat through that fantastic victory. So here's what uh, here's what Dan had to say. Coming up after that, we'll be chatting Lions, um, where I'm once again joined by Charlie Morgan, Top Telegraph journalist. Uh, so first of all, here's what Dan had to say about the Scarlets. Evening, Daniel. Evening, Jed. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. It's a bit weird doing this over the phone, isn't it? It is a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. Very, very different. So your uh, your reign of kitchen terror is over of uh, insisting in your prima donna ways that we have to go around to, to record in your kitchen. I'm still hoping there's going to be a knock at the door now. And gonna, <laughs> this is some sort of prank that we're actually doing this over the phone. I did like while um, we were prepping one minute ago when you said uh, we're doing it over the phone, are we? And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's quarter to 11 on a Tuesday night and I'm, I'm sat in my pajamas. So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's no, um, no way I'm coming around now. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel right. I don't know how Murph does it. I know that's it. He's very good. He's very good at it. And uh, yeah, there'll he be, is. we'll be hearing from uh, we'll be hearing from the Murph later on in this podcast. Um, you managed to settle back into the the working week now, fresh from your yeah, paternity leave. Yeah, I don't know about fresh, but um, yeah, get him get him get him back into it a little bit. Um, the sleeping is uh, is very irregular, but um, yeah, it's just a case of uh, put a smile on your face and uh, suck it up, isn't it? It is. Get on with it. Yeah, you were saying, uh, saying before we came on that it hadn't been too hectic a day at work, which is which is always quite good. Yeah, I didn't have any meetings today, so I was able to uh, stay in stay in the office. 
and get through uh, get through a mountain of work. So you're always chasing. We seem to be chasing your, your tail, don't you, in sales? So yeah, it was actually a pretty good day. Yeah. Um, I saw you tweeting. Be... I saw you tweeting about coffees in the uh, in the in the local area. So you must have uh, you must have been all right all right for a I bit was... of time because you don't normally have time I... for that kind of caper. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I do. You're trying to black yeah. freebies in there, aren't you? No, well, I always try and give, put a, you know, put a, put a little bit of business, uh, to the locals, but I actually, do you know, I, I, I actually had a tea in there, not, not a, not a oh, coffee, right? but people always give me a lot of stick for ordering a tea, um, when I go out, but, um, yeah. So I did, I didn't have a, I didn't have a cup of coffee at all. It was a, uh, a nice, fine, uh, bit of a little grey. I stand corrected. Uh, right. Do you want to, do you want to explain what your, um, what your excuse is for this week? Because it's, it's, very rarely that uh that we don't get that we don't get together of um of a week to record in fact even the week that your second uh your second daughter was born we managed to um we managed to pre-record that week so uh it'd have to be uh it'd have to be something big to keep you away from the attacking scrum podcast it is something pretty big yeah although as we pointed out i did make my avail- I, I was available this evening but um your uh you weren't so i'll throw that out there um yeah tomorrow Tomorrow night is um, the London Welsh AGM, so a big night down at Old Deer Park. Yeah. Um, so a lot of uh, you know past and present people coming along and uh, to hear about what the what the future holds for London Welsh. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, what a year it's been as well. Yeah, yeah, it has. It's been a, a you know a huge year, isn't it? And um, I think everyone involved with the club is looking forward to you know to a fresh start really. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of optimism down there and some some good things in the pipeline. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, obviously, we've said before, it's been an incredibly difficult year for a great club. But I think during that time, you've also seen some of the some of the fantastic qualities of, of London Welsh and, and the community that goes with it. And, you know, that kind of um, defiant spirit and stuff is, is fantastic to see. So hopefully there'll be plenty of exciting future plans to report next week. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, during tough times, you see, you know, you see the true, true character, don't you, of a lot of people. And there's, when you, when you, you know, when you step back and look at the volunteers and the amount of time that people put in, you know, completely unpaid just for the, the love of, love of the club, love of the game, love of people. It's, it really hits you. And there's some, some, some great people down there. Um, as there is with all rugby clubs, aren't there? You know, good, uh, good group. Yeah, exactly. Well, as, as we say, look forward to hearing back, uh, look forward to hearing back about that next week. Kind of looking back over what's happened in the last week in Welsh rugby though, and there's only really one place, um, one place to, to start, and that's that incredible win by the Scarlets out in Dublin. Yeah, what, yeah, what a win. I mean, it was, it was truly incredible, wasn't it? Um, I know that we spoke, we, we, you know, we tipped the, the Scarlets to win, didn't we? We couldn't see them being stopped, but, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone saw, you know, would have seen that coming. I mean, you know, the Scarlets absolutely took them apart, didn't they, in that first half? And then when the second half came around, I think the, you know, everyone was, um, uh, was in the bar when they thinking about that first pint of Guinness. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite possibly. I was absolutely blown away by it. And, yeah, it's, it's safe to say that we've been saying for a few, uh, well, a few months now how impressed we've been by the Scarlets and they just seem to get better and better. But I don't know. I, I cannot remember a Munster side being blown away by any, by any opposition as convincingly as that. 
Yeah, they were just completely, completely beaten in every every facet, weren't they? Um, Munster, they knew what was coming, didn't they, from the Scarlets? But they just couldn't, con- they couldn't contain, uh, could, couldn't contain them. Um, and it was uh, an absolute masterclass, wasn't it, in defence and attack? Um, and we, we've talked a lot about the, uh, you know, the attacking prowess of the Scarlets, but the defence was absolutely magnificent, wasn't it? Um, and led by, uh, led by, by uh, John Fox, wasn't it? Um, yeah, just... absolutely superb. And and of course, Shingler was was fantastic yeah. in uh, was fantastic in defence as well. He was, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's unfair, isn't it, to single out you know a few players because everyone was was on top of their game. But um, yeah, those two in particular were, were, were magnificent. Um, yeah, it was special scenes, wasn't it? I mean, the, the, you could hear the Scarlets fans could you singing away. Um, I think there was just over a thousand, so not a not a huge amount was there um, that went over, but boy, they uh, they made themselves heard. Yeah, um, they did. I mean, I think come come twenty five minutes from watching on the TV, the only the only voices you could hear were were that of the the Scarlets fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Munster were absolutely shocked, weren't they? Just shell shocked, and they just couldn't they couldn't get back. Uh, they they just couldn't get back into it, could they? They had no they had no momentum at all. Um, just completely outplayed. Um, hats off to the to the coaching um, the coaching setup, and I, I think when we look at um, Stephen Jones, is it a coincidence that Wasps play a, a beautiful brand, don't they? Free flowing rugby um, with a hard edge, and so do the, you know so do the Scarlets. Um, I, you know, you wonder whether he's left he's left his mark there on Wasps. Um, obviously, Guy Young's doing a great job as well, but. Um, yeah, those two uh, uh, have got to be involved, probably, haven't they, in the coaching coaching setup for Wales moving forward? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of interesting points you raised there. First of all, on Stephen James, I know a couple of people who are involved at Wasps at kind of academy level, and the feedback that they have said around Stephen James and his involvement with the club was that he had a, a massive effect and was a hugely kind of um, influential character kind of right throughout the club. And I think that I think you're right. It's no coincidence that that both of those sides are, are playing some really, really intelligent rugby. Yeah, they are, and it's it's fantastic to watch, isn't it? Um, everyone is enjoying watching watching the Scarlets play, and you know, and also you know, if, if we head over to England Wasps for that matter as well. But um, the whole coaching setup has been magnificent. They Pivac's done a superb job, and Byron Hayward needs to be uh, needs to be given a fair bit of credit as well, doesn't he? Because the defence on um, the defence on Saturday was was special, wasn't it? Because for large parts of the uh, of the game, the Scarlets didn't have the ball yet. Um, you just didn't let them in. You know, didn't let them in, did they? I think that's what really impressed me is that the game plan was so intelligent. It wasn't just about hoping that things are going to go their way. They went out, they'd done their homework on Munster, they knew exactly how they were going to beat them. And it went it went to plan absolutely swimmingly. Yeah, it did. I mean a lot of their a lot of their big game players just I don't think it's fair on the scars to say they didn't turn up because for me they were they, they were they were outplayed, it. outgunned, yeah, and outsmarted and um the Scarlet's boys had the better of them. Um you know, CJ Stander was was completely nullified, wasn't he? His carrying, there was nothing happening there. Omani well, just looked frustrated all, 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 all afternoon. Um, I was lucky not off. to see a card for me. 
yeah, I, I, yeah, I know he was up to he was up to his uh, uh, up to all sorts of game, wasn't he? As he as he always is, and it's kind of what what we what we love about him, and probably what we'll be supporting when he's when he's with the Lions. Mm. But I think quite a few of them have taken a step back. Um, he he just couldn't keep up with the Scarlets, could he? Um, he was on, you know, he was, he was too slow, wasn't he? Um, we mentioned and... last week that this was potentially, a, you know, a performance enhancer or a reputation enhancer for some, but could also be a a bit of a banana skin for others. And I think a couple of those monster players will come out of this with collateral damage. And you mentioned two of them there, Stander and Omani, who I think are, are two terrific back row forwards, just weren't allowed to have an impact on the game by the Scarlets. Yeah, they they weren't too. I mean, they got you know, this big big players there, aren't they? With huge reputations, and um, they were made to look small. Um, I mean, the speed of of, of the Scarlet's back row um, with 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 James Davis, who again was really on another level, wasn't he? Um, and Aaron Shingler again, you know, man of the match, plays brilliantly almost every time he takes the field, and then Barkley was just. Uh, fantastic, wasn't he? He's the the sort of the real thinker there, isn't he? That, mm. that binds that back row, um, so measured in his approach. It's it's hard to it's hard to see uh, to see anyone getting the better of that back row if they can just keep them all together. I know Shingler mentioned in the on air that uh, he's coming to the end, his contract's coming to the end. <laughs> um, there'll be a lot of people after him, won't there? Um, Oh, that's right. Well, I'm half wondering whether you're going to try and sign him in some capacity or another. <laughs> yeah, um, I've DM'd him. Yeah, he hasn't responded. <laughs> he hasn't responded. Um, but uh, yeah, he won't be short of offers, will he? Um, but you can't see him. You, you, even if a, a big, big offer came in, you couldn't see him going, could you? Just because of that, that, um, that sort of energy and warmth and love that's in the club. They're all smiling. They're all happy. Yes, when you're winning, you know you 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 know you're on cloud nine and enjoying it. But I think they're all, you know, there's there's some good, there's some great, great friendships there, aren't there? Mm. Um, they're totally at ease. They're having fun. They're laughing, and it's coming through on the pitch. And a few of the players, haven't they mentioned that Stephen Jones brings that belief into their play, just allows them to go out and express themselves. And 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 you know, if you make an error, don't worry about it. It's fine. We've got you know, you you will be you'll be selected again. And that's fantastic to hear, isn't it? Because I think coaches, a lot of coaches nowadays put fear into players, don't they? Oh, you know, I'm so scared. And then you're going to go into yourself. And he's just, the shackles are off. I think it's great. Well, this is it. You alluded to it earlier. And it's kind of the the other thing that we need to address. Is that in seeing a Welsh side go out and completely obliterate, you know, one of Europe's strongest um, sides, historically anyway, the question, the question that is probably on everyone's lips is why can't Wales play like that? Yeah, it's been thrown out there a lot, isn't it? Um, since the since the Scarlets um, since the Scarlets win, I know you know quite a few play quite a few people have come out and said that you know they're not they're not allowed to. It must really. I've been thinking about it. It probably does come down to that, doesn't it? Because we've got we've got the players, we've got the players that can do it. Um, well, I mean, you look at the look at the the back line that Scarlet's had out and the two centres, Williams and Davis, were Wales's two centres during the Six Nations and they didn't look anywhere near as destructive as they did on Saturday. Yeah, they they were brilliant, weren't they? Um, 
yeah, fine, fine displays. And it's got, yeah, it's got to be the way in which they're coached and, and, and told to play. Um, is it, you know, is it the case that we need to, I think coming back to the point about, you know, Stephen Jones and allow him, him sort of giving them the confidence to go out and go out and play. That's, it's not, it's not as simple as is it just having a chat to the, to the, to the boys in a, you know, a team talk before they go out and saying, look, boys, you know, go out and express yourself and have fun and, uh, you know, we'll see you afterwards. You, you, there must be a lot of one-to-one work because of the pressure that's on the players now. Everything's scrutinized. There's a huge amount in this, isn't it? We're, we're sort of, we could, we, I think we could probably oversimplify it by just thinking that he's just having a, a, you know, a few words with them and, and that's it. There's got to be a huge amount of one-to-one work. And I don't know whether Gatland does that. I think from the outside, it certainly feels that he's more sort of, uh, um, almost like a dictator then, you know, if this is, this is, this, this is the way we're going to play. Mm. Um, I don't know whether there's so much one-to-one work, but I just get the feeling that with Stephen, he's a, he's a Welshman. We are, uh, we're, we're, we're probably better in that sort of, you know, closed environment. Um, where we'll get the, you know, he'll get the best out of people by, uh, talking to, talking to people on, on, on their level then. Yeah. Um, and Gatlin is probably more sort of a, uh, necessarily a Barker. But yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Wales is different, isn't it? And maybe just bringing in someone, you know, someone like him could, could have a massive, massive difference. Because the players are there, aren't they? We've proven that. And half of the, a lot of the Scarlet's players that are, play into this format aren't even in, you know, well, haven't even been selected, have they, for the, for, you know, to be given Welsh caps? I thought we were going to go through a whole chat without mentioning James Davis, but I feel like I've got to now because once again, I thought he's absolutely phenomenal. And it just, it, we've said it before, but he offers something so different in the back row that, you know, I, I'm a big admirer of, of all of the, the players who've been called up to, to play for Wales on this summer tour, but n- none of them have that, um, have that real differentiator that, that James Davis has and he just you know he has got the complete all-round game he's amazing over the top of the ball he's great in defence he's a nuisance at the ruck and he's fantastic with ball in hand I just don't think yeah I just still cannot fathom it yeah I can't either it's totally unfair on him isn't it um, and that's uh, that's not a sort of snipe on the other the other back row players because they're exceptional at what they do but he's got a very different skill set isn't he and also the, something we haven't mentioned is his passing mm-hmm. He's a brilliant, oh, par- some a of those, brilliant passer of the ball. Some of those bullet mispasses out to the uh, out to Steph yeah. Evans were just incredible. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, absolutely spot on. And and then he's got the also the little sort of short pop passes as well. Um, and the you know the balls off the ground. He's he's got he's got everything. And um, he he you know the, we we have to find a a place for him uh, at least in the squad. Uh, it, I know that that petition is, uh, which is a bit of fun, isn't it? But yeah. it just shows that. Tempted to sign it, no? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. You started it, didn't you? <laughs> um, I did. Yeah. I, was, I was inspired by your one to, to that got the Aaron Shingler ball rolling. The, the one man campaign to get Aaron Shingler in the Wales squad, which he started in about November of last year, I think. And uh, sure enough, it's worked. Yeah. Right, let's bring it back to, uh, to Scarlet's to finish then. What next for the Scarlets? You know, what can they kind of go on to achieve next season? It does feel as if it's 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 the very much the beginning, doesn't it, for the, for the so, Scarlets? Yeah. Because yeah, you know, the the season didn't start too well. They they 
you know they made they made changes um they've really put a big emphasis on homegrown talent mm. um and there seems to be that real bind between them all at the moment they're losing a couple of keepers now in 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 um you know van der Merf and um liam but they have they have moved, you know, they have moved those players around, haven't they, to, to see how others are going to play. And McNichol, who I've, you know, been a little bit critical mm. of in the past in terms of making the odd mistake, he does still make those mistakes. But by God, you know, his his pace and sort of ability to to sort of change direction and mm. set something, spark something off, is is just brilliant. Isn't I just it? think so, he'd be a terrific winger, to be honest. Yeah, I feel I feel the same. Um, he's I suppose if we focus on the pos- focus on the positives, he does he does more things right, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, does wrong, um, and you know I've grown to see that. So he's there are still question marks I think over over a few bits and bobs he does, but he's a great player. And you know the Scarlets, I think Liam, you know Lee, Liam and him and um, Vanderbilt will be a there'll be a big um, be a big loss, won't mm-hmm. they? But I still think they'll they'll kick on. Um, Pridey coming in is is not it's obviously not a uh, a straight replacement, is it? Um, well, we'll see. I don't. Know. Maybe maybe you'll go on to make it into <laughs> into that mythical team I have in my head of players who've left the Dragons to go on to be much better. You know, you join the likes of uh, the likes of Jonathan Evans in there and uh, and cause a surprise. Yeah. Who knows? Um, well, well, I'm past before. Yeah, it, it could it could well happen again, couldn't it? But I think anyone that's coming into that into that setup will be will be mighty excited and. Yeah, I think the the Scarlets will get will get better and better. It's a really young group, isn't it? Um, and I think that's and... essentially the exciting thing is that we've seen. You know, I think if you were to look at that squad at the start of the season, and you looked at names like Will Boyd, Ryan Elias, um, and Tyg Byrne, and Lewis Rawlins, you'd probably looked at them and said, okay, right, well, you know, they're players we're not overly familiar with. Yeah, no way, no way is that a title winning side. That's the encouraging thing for me is that the the players are coming through that um, are coming through that setup, and you know there might well be a, a fullback or a winger out there who, at the moment, we're not overly familiar with, but come this time next season, has you know has lit up the Heineken Cup. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all surprised. I mean, uh, uh, and and you know Stephen Jones has probably identified a few, isn't he? And um, the work he's doing there, you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't bet against someone else coming out. Some someone coming coming out now that we haven't heard of either, but yeah, special times at the Scarlets, um, and I, I I cannot wait for the, for the season to uh, to come around already. You know, even though it's only just ended, and I think That's you're it. probably you're probably with me on that. I am. Um, Fortunately, there's a small matter of the Lions tour to take our uh, to take our minds off it. So there is. Uh, yeah, plenty, Woodward, of, plenty uh, of content on that in uh, in part two coming up as well. Clive Woodward won't be watching, though, will he? No, he won't, and we uh, we will be uh, we'll be covering that, those comments because, as you can imagine, that's got it's got right under my skin. I uh, I wasn't I didn't go a bundle on him uh, when he was Lions coach, and twelve years on, that's not um that's uh, it's probably yeah. got worse if anything. Yeah, I know, I know, uh, and uh, ridiculous comments, but there we are. What would you expect? Exactly. Right. Well, enjoy the rest of your week, Dan, and we look forward to catching up with you. Uh, well, with you face-to-face next week and uh, quite possibly over the weekend for a beer or two to watch the Lions. Yeah, look forward to it. Nice one. Cheers, Dan. Cheers now. Bye-bye. There's the uh, the late-night ramblings of Dan Killick there. Um, 
as you'll know if you've listened to part one, I'm delighted to say joined again by a top Telegraph journalist, all-round scholar of rugby, Charlie Morgan. How are you doing, Charlie? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Did you manage to catch any of Scarlet's game at the weekend? Bits and bobs. Managed to get a little review in and just fascinating to see James Davis turn it on again on the big stage and... You know, he's such a such a fascinating character, and we got kind of insight into how good he'd be in big games at the Olympics. You know, yeah. it's a similar similar sort of mentality, I guess, that you need. And he turned it on again; it was brilliant. I, t- I mean, it is it is absolutely fascinating. We sometimes say, you know, kind of living in the goldfish bowl that is Welsh rugby, you can kind of become obsessed by these and you know, over romanticise about these players who don't get in there. But you know, from your kind of neutral perspective, what do you make of him as a as a player? Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal player. Wales obviously makes it difficult for him. Um, and you've got guys that have been around it a bit longer and whenever you're going on tour, in any sort of selection, a coach is going to pick who they trust. Yeah. You know, regardless of person, regardless of whoever's omitted, regardless of their personality, more kind of, you, you've got to lean on your selections and go by them, and I kind of, I kind of understand his omission in that regard. But he's making, he's made it very difficult for them to leave him out. Yeah, it just seems so strange on a development tour. Why you wouldn't think, okay, cool, let's have a, let's have a play around with him now. Mm. I think you know the players he's taken. I'm a really big fan of. You know, watched a lot of uh, for my sins a lot of the dragons this year, and Ollie Griffiths has been a, a shining light. Ellis Jenkins is kind of like a mini Warburton, and. Um, and obviously Thomas Young has, has lit up the premiership with his performances. So you're right, there's no shortage of sevens. I just think that one of those could probably miss out in favour of just exploring that James Davis X factor, you know, in a, a time where we're always bemoaning Wales playing robotic rugby. Yeah. You know, I think someone like that would add. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you look at you're looking at with a player like James Davis, you're looking at their upside. And his upside is huge. His upside is not so much single-handedly dragging the Scarlets because they had a load of fantastic performances, but you know they were. He was turning those wins into comprehensive wins just because he was involved in so many momentum-changing plays. You know, big turnovers, making you know slight half breaks into tries because of that unfussy link play. Um, it, it seems quite bold to leave out a player that can elevate a team. So yeah, much. indeed. But yeah, I think you're right. Such as the such as the kind of wealth of riches in um, in the open side uh, we're going to come on talk about Lions now it's it's really quite strange it's almost kind of crept up upon us with it being so close to the end of the domestic season but here it is you know the um, the uh, the tour begins in days the players have landed yet the headlines all seem to be about 2005 and Sir Clive Woodward um, I'll start by asking do you, do you think there's too much emphasis placed on the Lions tour by the Celtic nations I think it's totally, totally a personal thing. I think it's very been that quote is very interesting, mm. and actually, um, Austin Healy wrote a column for us where he said a very similar thing. But if you kind of look at those two guys and their Lions experiences, Austin Healy would be frustrated when he was involved in a successful tour in yeah. 1997. Um, in 2001, he would have been um, frustrated. And actually, if you go back to 1997 and have a have a real look at that. He was he was battling to get in the test side, didn't quite manage it, I don't think. I think he played in the third or third dead right, rubber that yeah. South Africa um, won. I think it's always coloured by um, by the individual by the individual individual player. If you ask somebody like Tom Youngs about his performance about his experience of 2013, yeah. I'm sure he'd put that on a massive pedestal in the context of everything else he's achieved with Leicester Tigers and with England. So it's always coloured by um, by personal experience, and clearly Clive's experiences experience was 
paled into, signif- in, into insignificance when you look at what he achieved with England. Yeah. So that quote doesn't really come as a big surprise. No, it doesn't. I mean, have you have you listened to the um, to the interview in full? I, I'm not I'm not in yeah. full. I'm about halfway through it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is fascinating listening. You know, far be it for me to promote another podcast. I think it's the second time I've done this for uh, for Five Live, but never mind. If they reciprocate the favour, I'll be laughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I found so fascinating is it did kind of seem. You know, I completely understand where he's coming from and he's taken so much flack from from fans and from media alike for that tour. But at the same time, I kind of wonder, well, you know, it is kind of 12 years on, but he's, he's still kind of sticking to his guns that the approach was right. And, you know, it, my mind is in, in two places as to whether he genuinely feels that or there is just an element of, of kind of sour grapes based on that experience. If you look kind of in the cold light of day where he was, he was stuck between an emerging Welsh side... Mm an ageing England one with a, with a smattering of Irish stars and actually if he'd have got that blend right um, even if he'd got that yeah. blend right he, he's playing against a, an All Black side that was phenomenal and, you know if you if you look at great All Blacks generations you look at you look at um, you know it can be coloured by the fact that you know it's modern rugby and um, there's more coverage now so we're likely yeah. to prioritise kind of the more late the more um, recent eras but that 2005 side is right up with what they've achieved between 2011 and 2000 and, and now mm. um, it was phenomenal if you watch some of those games back some of the movement of the ball um, Dan Carter's performance in the second in, test, in the second test in Wellington yeah. is an all time performance it's an all time 10 out of 10 performance a hat trick from an outside half in a Lions test match yeah it, it is absolutely astonishing I think the other thing though that, that kind of struck me is that you mentioned that a tour can be coloured by by personal experiences and stuff. I think with that whole tour, it's kind of the stuff that went on around it that I think has reflected so badly. The splitting of the the splitting of the camp, and you know, you heard um, Shanklin say on that on that same interview that uh, Test players were on bus one and the, the midweek were on bus two. I think those little things on a tour where the, the failure was so abject. They mean a lot more. Mm. I've spoken to Brian Jiskell about this, and he brought up very interestingly. He brought up the rooming issue, and you'd, you'd think that that was such a trivial thing, mm. but actually, what um, Brian said was that when a schedule like a like any line schedule, we'll talk about the schedule for this upcoming tour, which is hellish. But um, <laughs> I mean, any, any lines any lines tour schedule pushes you beyond what your expectations as a professional sportsman are. And what Brian Jiskell said was that you needed that element of amateurism to actually soothe that and actually say, right, well, we're all in this together. It's not ideal, but we're all in this together. You know, we're mucking in together. We're going out for drinks together. We're rooming together, getting to know each other, breaking down those barriers socially. So we'll go the extra mile for each other because we have to, because this isn't what we're used to. This isn't the week to week kind of focus of of your club environment. This is a, a game, three days, fit in training somehow, you know, fudge it yeah and then get get through to the next one and you have to go you have to go further to get through that yeah that absolutely and i think that's the um that's the kind of the fascinating thing about it is there doesn't seem to be any kind of um any kind of regret for the decisions that that he's made and and maintains that the approach is right and i think you know you've kind of seen that with gatlin naming such a big squad now Mm. You, you um yeah i mean the, the demands of the modern game, I guess, even from 2005 to uh, in 12 years, yeah. have have probably heightened physically. So that 
41-man squad is needed. Is mm. I mean, if you, if you even if you take, say take the front row, take the tight heads. Um, Saturday, there's going to have to be two, a, a tight head starting tight head on the bench. Yeah. Um, one of them is going to have to back up and, and either be on the bench or start on the Wednesday, and then the next week it goes to Saturday, Tuesday. Um, you need those numbers um, certainly I think the the problem was not so much the numbers um, that they took in 2005 but the kind of how explicit the split was mm. and you hear the guys talking about I mean Shank is very very funnily kind of talking about how names would be called out on the bus mm. and the kind of the how, how amusing the kind of inevitability was that Oh, Andy Tisher will be on this bus. Oh, Smith yeah, will be on yeah. this bus. Oh, me. Oh, yeah. Shanks, I'm on it as well, sort of thing. Um, you know, we've uh, we did a big special report in the Telegraph a couple of days ago, and um, there were stories of you know Donica Callan spoke really well for that. Where he was actually, it was it's starting to get to the point where he was genuinely enjoying how down people were because yeah. it was almost it like was gallows like, humor yeah, type thing it yeah. was almost like oh my god this this guy is having such a tough time it's almost almost funny he can't win a trick and <laughs> um, there's chris custer saying that um one of the kind of more established england guys got his name wrong for the first two weeks and it got to the point where i can't keep correcting him <laughs> um yeah i mean it just kind of calamity after calamity but i think it was um was it paul o'connell said in the bbc yeah. podcast that um, it's it's all so much easier when you're winning. You know, if you're winning, yeah, of course. If you're winning, and somebody's been calling you the same name for two weeks, it's and it's wrong, you can probably just correct yeah, them. Yeah. You probably just correct them and say, "Come on, mate, it's fine." Um, but probably when you're losing and everybody's down in the dumps and it's so claustrophobic, it's probably more tough to do that. I think the thing is as well. You know, Woodward had experience of, of great success in New Zealand, but that blueprint just doesn't fit the the real short term mentality. They were a squad of players that he'd known for a number of years and and had experienced the lows with as well as the highs mm. and took them onto a new level. When you're doing that on a short period of time, I, I just don't think you can have the same the same blueprint. No. The the level of cohesion that you build up with an England team, you're just not gonna you're not gonna reach out. And an and an England team two thousand three that had been together for a long time and tasted yeah. disappointments of, you know, Grand Slam bustings, you know, losing at the last hurdle, and um, what they built up was totally different to what you can engender in a few weeks with an inv- with what is in effect an invitational side. Yeah, um, you can lean on. Yeah, as again we'll speak about later, you can lean on combinations that are familiar, but as a fifteen, um, and that was probably shown in their performances in the Test matches, and you know, and the kind of gamble they're taking with selection of playing. Johnny Wilkinson at twelve and Steve, Stephen Jones at ten without actually telling anybody that they were going to do it. Yeah, um, you know their gamble. I mean, Wilkinson hadn't played twelve for, a, you know, I know he played it a bit at the start of his career, but it'd been a number of years since he played. Yeah, well, he barely played any international rugby since two thousand and three, mm. um, and that was just it. Just felt to me again in the in the interview he says that he didn't think he picked on reputation, but I, th- I think he did, and I'd almost feel I have more kind of respect for him than he I did because I needed players out there who I knew could beat New Zealand, mm. and if he didn't trust Gavin Henson to do that, and he trusted Johnny Wilkinson to do it, then I kind of almost feel like, um, yeah, like it would be a bit easier to take mm. twelve years on. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to st- you've got to stick by you've got to have any successful coach that has an element of bloody mindedness about mm. them, and if you look at what. Um, Warren Gatlin did in, in the third test in 2013. That was going back to players he trusted, imparting a game plan that he knew would work yeah. with those players. And you, although kind of the barbs 
subsequent paths about and Brian Ziska would have stung him um, he, he got he got a win in a, in a, in a must win game yeah he did I mean again that's an, another fascinating another fascinating thing in itself because you're right if, if that had if that had gone wrong we would probably be looking at the 2013 tour in the same light that we look at the 2005 one how could Gatland possibly drop O'Driscoll for this game and um, you know had the result not gone his way and even though it did there are still um, there are still people who kind of can't accept that decision even now yeah of course uh, right, I'm going to move it on to uh, move it on to the current tour. Um, kind of, yeah, this this kind of curveball that was thrown this week with that uh, rather interesting interview. Kind of moving on to moving on to the this this side. How strong do you think this squad is? Do you think it's the the strongest squad that's been assembled by a professional line side? It's, it's always tough to compare across eras. I've been lucky enough to speak to a few New Zealanders over the last few days and they're very respectful of it. So it's a lot better than the 2005 one. What I would say is that there's a very clear way of how they're going to play, both mm. in terms of the personnel they've selected and in terms of the coaching staff that they've got. You know with Graham Roundtree and Steve Borthwick that you're going to have a fantastic line out, both in terms of kind of the mechanics of it, but also in terms of the mall's going to be very yeah. strong. And that's a, that's an area that you can attack New Zealand. You can probably squeeze them a little bit. Um, so I'd say is Benny Vinopoulos is a big loss. He would be to any side. But when you've got someone like Talupe Falatau, mm. I wrote, wrote a piece a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago. Well, when it actually happened, saying that actually losing Billy might help them balance the back row better, just because Talupe is a, a line out option. Yeah, option. Yeah. And you can get a hard carrier like Stander at six. I think that's probably that's probably an endorsement of how good the squad is, that you lose someone like that. And actually, if you look at the back row options remaining, there are still loads of them. Um, the three the three tens is another one. Um, if you look at those those three guys, you know, clearly they're going to be uncomplicated and they're going to need to win the game line. But if you look at those three, if you think any team is going to play kind of... Uh, one-dimensional rugby with guys like Owen Farrell and mm. Johnny Sexton not so much necessary for the way they play but how, how much they demand of other players and, and Dan Bigger as well I yeah. put him in that in that category all of them are so vehement in terms of driving standards and demanding demanding um, uh, you know standards from, from their teammates yeah. in training and they'll do that throughout games they're really really good communicators so there's a lot of leadership and there's a lot of talent there, certainly. Yeah, I, I guess you know we'll we'll start to find out how it's gelling um, in the you know in the in the weeks that come. Do you think there is a danger though with it with it being a large squad that it could be a bit bloated and there is that that kind of potential for um, for division as there was in 05? I think maybe with how the tour schedules set up. Um, because horrible, great and cliche, but there, there are no easy games because of these these games against provincial unions. Not that they were yeah. easy. These have been now replaced by games against Super Rugby teams who are carving Super Rugby apart. So what that means is one that the Lions will be battle hardened, but two that there's real merit in performing well. So you might see the movement between what is perceived as the test side change quite quickly if somebody plays very well in one of these super rugby games because actually I mean they're playing the playing the Crusaders um, a week after their first game that will be as hard that will be harder than anything they've they faced before they faced the All Blacks yeah. the Crusaders are on fire they play a similar template with actually a forward pack that is 
got a lot of grunts about it that is you know very very hard in the in the set piece and the mall um so there's there's going to be real merit in those performances in midweek which you know will make players will just give the players a carrot to say look if you if you're performing well here there's upward movement there's potential for you to get a gig against the All Blacks and the fact that the Crusaders game comes up and they're going to be fully loaded I think that's pretty much testament to to how tough this schedule is yeah. you mentioned the word hellish mm. earlier I mean that pretty much sums it up doesn't it yeah it does um, the way the way they play as well these, these Kiwi teams high, high ball and play time um, it's going to be really sapping on the legs sapping on the brains as well um, we all know from it was so well um, portrayed in Wales tour last year just how how much they surge away the All Blacks yeah. in that in that sort of around the sixty minute mark sort of between the third and fourth quarters and all of these New Zealand teams so well conditioned because they play at that high tempo um, you know high phases that sort of thing um, that we're, it's going to be really good good practice for the tests but you know but really demanding as well. Yeah, hence the uh, hence the big squad. Mm. Moving on to the first game, then, what can we expect from a New Zealand Barbarian fifteen? They um, spoke to the the, the fellow that captained Manawatu. If you remember, in two thousand five, yeah, they yeah. shipped a hundred points, and it was kind of um, he, he was he was telling me that he expects the New Zealand provincial Barbarians to have a tough time, but they've got. Because they're coming together as an invitational yeah. side, they went that Manawatu side. He said actually had two weeks leading up to it, but because they just didn't have the caliber of player, they actually had Hayden Triggs and Johnny Lotta playing for them. Um, but they were just they were just overwhelmed um, this time round. There's a few good players there. Um, Lachlan Boshier have mm-hmm. written down here. Chiefs back row, just just a very you know the sort of player that you'll sort of be watching a game and you'll realise God, this guy's got an engine. He's everywhere. He's you know he's He's influencing breakdowns all over the pitch. He's carrying. He's, he's just really high involvement player, which it seems to be to a penny in New Zealand. They seem to be the guys like that will be. It's a great shot window for them. They'll be pl- they'll be plucked from there, and they'll be um, great squad players in the Premiership of Pro 12 at the very least. Yeah. Um, and it's a great platform for them. But their disadvantage that they have is that they're coming together um, at very short notice. Um, so the danger for the Lions although they are also coming together at short notice is that they kind of fall into this unstructured way of playing and um, they like they would be against any New Zealand side they might be hurt there so I mean, we're expecting a lot of familiar combinations when it comes to the when it comes to Saturday's Lions team rather annoyingly it will be announced about an hour after we record this uh, must have used up all my good luck with timings during the Six Nations but how important is that going to be that familiarity you know these are players who've only landed they've landed you know four days before they play their first game that must be a crucial factor yeah I mean, it's kind of it's come by process of elimination just because of how the seasons worked out the domestic seasons saw obviously no Glasgow Warriors went in the Pro 12 playoffs Bath went in the um, Premiership playoffs so yeah. that means you've got Thomas Seymour and Stuart Hogg available for two weeks of training um, you've got Anthony Watson and uh, Jonathan Joseph available for two weeks of training those two the Scot- Scottish and the English guys out of those two pairs have room together I think for the first week in Dublin so they've kind of tried to you know move on the process of familiarity so that even the guys that aren't familiar in that two weeks they really yeah. get you know they get to know each other um, 
in the pack you'll have Rory Best and Ian Henderson there, those sort of combinations and um, an all Welsh back row I think we're expecting. Yeah. Um which would be which would be really interesting. Not the same one as um sta- uh, st- started the majority of the Six Nations game, but a really good really good balance it looks like. Yeah, and I think as well a couple of those players coming back to fitness. So in particular Alan Jones and Sam Warburton have missed uh, missed a fair amount of the running into the season. So again, it's a good opportunity for them to get a good test, but you would hope a, a win under the belt as well. Yeah, it would be really important for morale. For those, for those guys that need that game time, it's not, you know, you can, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as a, those guys are going to be in and around the test mix. So, well, let's, let's maybe wrap them in cotton wool. I don't think you can do that on no. this tour. I think, um, again, uh, Sir Ian made the point in one of our columns that um, the schedule can be a plus or a minus. Um, it could be that by the time uh, in, by the time the Lions uh, get to this um, first test, they'll be so battle-hardened and so ready to go that they might be able to take advantage of a little bit of ring rust that, that the All Blacks might have because they've just got this one game against Samoa. Traditionally, they're off the pace in this first test in June. Um, there, was, there was Wales this time around. There was England yeah. in um, 2014. In 2013, France nearly turned them over. Um it's it's set up so that there are pitfalls clearly um it's going to be tough to keep players fit for that long um and free from injury but if a strong contingent get through to that first test they'll build up this familiarity build up familiar combinations and they'll be ready to give it a really good crack how important do you think it is though that players who you know potentially aren't in the test set up at the moment are given the opportunity to go out and really cause some selection headaches can that still happen in the modern game like it did in the amateur era, oh, of course, yeah. I think um, look at someone like uh, Alex Cuthbert from the, the last tour. I don't think he would have. I know, I know injury played a part, but um, he was he was fantastic. Um, you look, you look. What what Warren Gatlin's done is that the players that are, necess- that are perhaps bolters really could contribute something different. So if you look at, I don't think Jonathan Joseph probably isn't tip to start necessarily at the minute look at somebody like Jared Payne what they mm. do Jared Payne's a very clever organiser very clever he's a distributor at either 13 coming into the line or or at um, sorry 15 coming into the line or at 13 yeah. or is there anyway Jonathan Joseph hugely underrated defensive organiser a um, little bit extra pace New Zealand is genuinely excited I think about 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 watching him you know it would have been a bit of a gaff had he not gone I, th- I thought but yeah. the inclusion of people like him, people like Joseph Jared Payne, Jared Payne um, shows that Gatlin's got those contingencies and, and these players that are perhaps less fancy to make the test side could genuinely add something different so adding them therefore throws that curveball to the All Blacks yeah I, mean, I think you've um, you've kind of mentioned that just the selection of the squad gave us a, a pretty good indication of what game plan A is is going to be, but there has to be something else in the in the locker, right? You can't you can't just have that one game plan to, to try and beat New Zealand because anything could happen in those test matches. Yeah, um, they will try. They'll try and keep it as as Jones always talks about how good the All Blacks are unstructured mm. unstructured rugby. Um, they will kick a lot and force mistakes on the kick on the kick chase and. That for the onus therefore falls on the Lions to kind of make sure they're really tight there, make sure they're really kind of they're connected, um, but also that they're kicking spot on. Also, they work really hard at set piece to spoil anything the All Blacks might 
might get going. Um, yeah, there's there's a very clear direction, but you you need that. You know, you need you need that. It can't be so complicated so that they're still working out how to play come the first test. They need to have settled into a rhythm. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you know, we're going back to 2005 again, but it seemed to seemed um, from the players that went out there, there are two distinct styles between the midweek and the and the um, and the test Saturday side. Um, it doesn't look like that will that will happen. Um, it looks like there's going to be a clear direction throughout throughout both squads, if you like, throughout kind of a Saturday Tuesday. And like you say, you're not going to have that luxury of slinging the ball around like you could against Manawatu. You know, every single one of those games is going to be a mm-hmm. test. So. There has to be, a, you know, it has to be pretty structured in that regard. You know, mm. you, you certainly can't go out and fling it around as if it's a barbar's game. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think I made this point on the in, on the initial selection. If you think a, a squad containing Johnny Sexton is going to settle for just one out runners, yeah, it's just not. And I, I know Ireland took a bit of flag uh, for that, but I, I see Johnny Sexton as a key figure in this tour, just in terms of how he's going to direct direct the attack. Owen Farrell. Um, I mean, it's going to be such a toss-up between who, who start who starts the tests, but both Johnny Sexton and Owen Farrell are so demanding. And if you look at the way, certainly the way Leinster have played at their best, and the way Saracens have played at their best on the front foot, there's a lot of intricate stuff goes on. They're very physical. Um, they win collisions, but the way they win collisions is by intricate passes, is by dummy runners, is by clever, you know, loop moves, those sorts of things. And yeah. I fully expect fully expect to see that. Yeah, it would. Uh, it wouldn't be a Johnny Sexton performance if there wasn't no, a, fair, a fair amount of loop moves. Uh, loop moves within there. To go back to a point we made earlier about picking players on reputation, uh, Johnny Sexton is a player who you know, I've got a massive amount of admiration for. But he's perhaps not had his best season this season, and I think in particular, you know, the semi final against Scarlets, he was he was man marked really by a, a really um, aggressive defensive line. Is there room to to play yourself back into form? You know, with with such a, a tough schedule, that is an interesting one, Sexton. Although there have been slumps over this season, um, chiefly with that, uh, with Leinster. Mm. But if you look at his performances, certainly against England and Dublin, and in Dublin again against against France, those two were just so, such intelligent performances that. You know, even if you've got somebody around the squad that can add that and be like, I know Dan Big has done what Dan Big was speaking last week about how much he feels he's learning already from those guys. He, from having yeah. he roomed, I think he roomed with Johnny in um, in Dublin in the second week of training, and just how much he's taking on board and how you know, even if you've got an influence like that around the squad, again to push standards, again you know, in team meetings to be like, look. You know, we've also all watched the Living with the Lions uh, DVDs, and you look at someone like Brian O'Driscoll demanding more. You know, you can, it's easy to, you know, um, bang your chest and talk about defence and talk about getting into a, an aggressive mindset, but actually being clinical and demanding more of of an attacking side is going to be just as important on this tour. Yeah, no, absolutely. It'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see. As you mentioned, you spent a bit of time with with Dan Bigger. Lately, you know, again, he's got this this reputation. I know opposition fans don't particularly warm to him, uh, you know. And when he's playing for the Ospreys, the other the other Welsh regional fans don't particularly warm to to bigger either. What's he like as a as a character? It was it was only a, I have to confess, it was only a conference call, but um, <laughs> had a, you know had a question I wanted to ask, which was you know, I imagine I imagine he's 
uh, <laughs> stroppy is a tough word to use, but you, you need you need standard drivers yeah. across your squad to be stroppy. That's it's a kind of a chief attribute, I think. And um, as I just said, you know what 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 new what you like with new players. You know, this is he'd been mentioning that he'd been taking it upon himself to meet new guys and. Um, wasn't so familiar with Carl Sinclair and Ben Teo, but he met them over breakfast, sat down and chatted to them. So I asked him, you know, what are they like when you get on the training pitch and you're, and you're shouting and screaming at them? And he said, well, I got, I got the feeling he didn't really care that much because mm. he thought that actually if they're, not demar- if they're not seeing me like that as a 10, if they're not expecting me to be, be their eyes and be, be that clear and that almost forceful yeah. with, with my communication, then, you know, that's they've been playing with different tens that aren't you know aren't to that level um i i he's always a good interview dan I, I always enjoy talking to him because he's he's very honest and he's very um you know he's he's probably aware of his conduct on the pitch but that's how that's a competitive side of himself that he can't really stop i mean it's no different it's no different to how Owen Farrell and Johnny Sexton behave apparently maybe Owen Farrell's developed this way of talking to referees and yeah. it seems to be pretty measured um but you know they they're competitive guys and sometimes it spills over and also you know if he actually really cared about what fans thought he wouldn't be the 10 that he is you know of course you, you have to have that yeah I think you're right almost that kind of belligerent edge to him do you, you've got kind of a bit of a, a point to prove um, again there was a lot of a lot of noise made when the, the squad was selected that you know he's again he's not the most um, free flowing of 10s uh, yeah, just to clarify, as, well, I'm, as I've said before, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, of bigger, and I think it's that that mental toughness that kind of really sets him apart. But you know, he's perhaps not the the easiest on the eye in in the the history of of Welsh tens, and you know, again, possibly not been in that best form. Do you think he's you know he's kind of going out there and he's got a bit of a um, a point to prove because he doesn't strike me as kind of character who's going to want to make the numbers up? No, I think that's I think that's what he's I think he said that in, on the. Um, there, the squad announcement, Osprey's training. He said, "Look, I, the goal for me is to play in the test matches, and you need that. You need you need people who aren't going to be you need people who aren't going to be happy initially with playing in the midweek team, but you need also need people to you know pull their socks up and get on with it if they are if they are in the midweek team. Um, but that initial disappointment, you have to expect that from everybody because if if you're not getting that, then they're just going along for the ride, and it's going to be really, it's going to be a really tough tour if too many people are doing that. And I think someone like I really respect um, Dan's mentality. Um, I think he probably probably has been playing quite deep for for something quite deep for um, Wales and the Ospreys. But you know, again, he'll be he'll be playing with guys that are forcing him to play flat and and demanding a lot of him. And it's all about how he reacts to those players around him and um, you know makes those subtle alterations, which I'm sure he will. Just quickly to uh, to wrap up, then. Firstly, prediction for Saturday. What's uh, what's the score going to be? Oh, a twenty what thirty five point win for the Lions. Okay, strong. That's uh, that's good. So take that. Yeah, I can see something fairly similar, but I think it'll be. I think it might be a tough start. Just while um yeah those those cobwebs are blown out. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. The 
hopefully the Lions class will show through towards the end. And secondly, are you going to be able to watch and enjoy, or is it are you going to be watching in a professional I capacity? I'm, I am madly doing a live blog, so <laughs> I might have to enjoy it the second time now. Fair enough. All right, thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much, Charlie. It's been fascinating to uh, to chat to you. And um, yeah, please get in touch with us and let us know what you think as well. So you can do so by giving us a shout on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. You can search for us on Facebook just by uh, just by searching Attacking Scrum. Um, and also, if you leave us a review as well, that would be fantastic. And you do so on iTunes or Audio Boom. Uh, so yeah, some really exciting rugby to look forward to. And we'll be back with you next week. Podcast Network.